Have you ever noticed the similarity between Hitler and Erdogan of Turkey? They look almost identical, truly. Get a look at their pictures side by side. That's very interesting to me. Well, what also is interesting is the fact that they have so much alike in their hatred for Israel. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. I want to compare Hitler and Erdogan, and I also want to compare the mark of the beast with the fruit of the Spirit of God. Now, I've never seen this correlation before. I've never seen anybody compare them that I can recall. But there are similarities, and I want to show you what the mark of the beast really is. First of all, who is the beast? And we all know that Revelation tells us that the, uh, the devil, this great dragon called Satan, the adversary, is the one who gives the power to the beast. They're not the same person. One is subject to the other one. Satan is their instigator. He's the one that prods them on to doing evil things. And the beast is Islam, if you ask me. All the indicators point toward them. And why is that? Well, listen to this. I'm going to be reading out of Romans 1 for a minute or two. Because I want you to see if you can compare what you know about Islam with these elements. It's found in verse 29. Well, let's start in 28 of Romans 1. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done, like lopping off the heads of Christians, maybe? Yeah. So think about these things, if you would. Their lives, verse 29, became full of every kind of wickedness. Could that be what you see in Islamic uh, newsreels and, and pictures of uh, the hatred and murder in their hearts. It comes out on their faces. You can recognize them by their fruits. That's what Jesus said. But their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, every kind of sin and greed and hate and envy and murder, quarreling and deception, malicious behavior and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, rebellious, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They don't want to know about Christianity, most of them. They want to be their own bosses and let Satan rule them. They love death the way that we, in America anyway, love life. 
I've heard that said before. But they refuse to understand. They break their promises. They're heartless. And they have no mercy. They know that God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. And worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Unquote. Now, does that fit Islam to a T? You see nothing but hatred in their religion. They don't have any love even for their own dear wives. They'll lop off the heads of their own wives if they look at them cross-eyed. Seems like to me. This is not the Spirit of God at all. So what does that look like? What does the Spirit of God look like? Well, let's flip on back to Galatians 5 and verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Now, that's us as Christians. That's why there's such a huge difference between Christianity and Islam. Now, am I saying that uh, Islamites or Muslims cannot repent of this? No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I hope they do. But that, to me, is the essence of, I mean, this part right here in Galatians 5.22 is the part that shows me the difference in Christians. This is what Christians are like. And then if you back up just a few more verses to verse 18, let's listen to this. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Your sinful nature, or when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Here's what happens. Now compare this to Islam. Sexual immorality, check. Impurity, check. Lustful pleasures, check idolatry, check, sorcery, check, all of these things, hostility, quarreling, envy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, Paul says here, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then it goes in to say what will, or uh, what, what characteristics will get into the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, etc. Love, joy, peace, etc. So that's the difference, and that's what marks the beast. The beast is Islam. 
There's no one on earth that fits that bill better than Islam, period. Do I love the Muslim people? Of course I do. God loves them. They were created in his image. But he doesn't love what they do, and he will put an end to it. And where do I get that information? Well, let's flip on back to Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse, well, let's start in verse 5. Their gods are like helpless scarecrows in a cucumber field. They cannot speak. They need to be carried because they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of such little g-gods, for they can neither do you harm nor do you any good. Dropping down to verse 8. People who worship idols are stupid and foolish. The things they worship are made of wood. They bring beaten sheets of silver from Tarshish and gold from Euphaz, and they give these materials to skillful craftsmen who craft them into their idols. They dress these little g-gods in royal blue and purple robes, and they're made by expert tailors. But the Lord, God, Jehovah, in other words, is the only true God. And no, I'm not a Jehovah's Witness, by the way. He is the living God, the everlasting King. The whole earth trembles at His anger, not at Islam's anger, not at the devil's anger, but at the anger produced by God. And why is he angry? Why is he so angry? Well, he's so angry because of what mankind has done to his creation, his earth, and themselves by this time. The nations cannot stand up to his wrath. The tribulation is caused by men. At least that's my opinion. God's not causing the tribulation. We are. But his wrath follows because of what the effects are to his people everywhere. But get this verse 11. Now this is chapter 10 of Jeremiah, verse 11. Say this to those who worship other gods. And let's face it, all other gods other than our God, Jehovah God, the God of the Israelites, the God of all Christians, is not Allah, period. But say this to all those who worship other gods, your so-called gods who did not make the heavens and the earth will vanish from the earth and from under these heavens. So a lot of people don't seem to know that's even in the Bible. God is going to do away with religion. Now, that may shock you. I don't know. But he wants worship of him, not anybody else, period. He's not going to put up with it. He's going to come to that point. Verse 12, But God made the earth by his power, and he preserves it by his own wisdom. With his own understanding, he stretched out the heavens, 
When he speaks in the thunder, the heavens roar with rain. See, he causes the clouds to rise over the earth. He sends the lightning with the rain and releases the wind from his storehouses. The whole human race is foolish and has no knowledge. That is, no knowledge of the one and only true God. By this time, as Jesus himself expressed doubt, shall he find faith on the earth? No, probably not. Because by this time, the whole earth will be ruined by the great tribulation. Verse 14, The whole human race is foolish and has no knowledge. The craftsmen are disgraced by the idols they make, for they carefully shaped their works, but they are a fraud. These idols have no breath or power. Idols are worthless. They are ridiculous lies. On the day of reckoning, that's the day of God's wrath, they will all be destroyed. Verse 6, Jeremiah 10, But the God of Israel is no idol. He is the creator of everything that exists, including Israel, his own special possession. The Lord of Heaven's armies is his name." Unquote. Before we leave chapter 10, I want to drop down to verse 21 and see if this fits today. The shepherds of my people have lost their senses. They no longer seek wisdom from the Lord. Therefore, they fail completely. Is that the destiny of churches throughout America and the world? I would say definitely. Definitely. But should we abandon ship? Not before it's about to go under. No, stay on board for now. Therefore, they shall fail completely and their flocks are scattered. Then dropping down to uh, verse 23, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. So correct me, Lord, but please be gentle. Do not correct me in anger, lest I die. Pour out your wrath on the nations that refuse to acknowledge you, on the peoples that do not call upon your name. For they have devoured your people Israel. Who's doing that? Well, that'd be Erdogan and all the other Islamic countries around them. For they have devoured your people Israel. They have devoured and consumed them, making the land a desolate wilderness. Is that the fate of Israel? Well, only for a time. Only for a time. God's not going to put up with it much longer. Let me tell you, folks. Now I want to mention a few things about the connection between Hitler and Erdogan. They not only look alike, Hitler was imprisoned. Why? Because he fueled nationalism based on the Treaty of Versailles. And that way he could make the lawless hatred of the Jews go against them to the point where he killed millions of them. Both of them have that same hatred 
for Israel, except Erdogan was in jail based on oppression of the Treaty of, and I'm going to massacre this, I think it's called Lausanne, L-A-U-S-A-N-N-E. You see, it's the same thing. They're building hatred for the people of Israel, the Jews. Another thing that makes them alike. Hitler wanted to be the big man on campus, the boss. And so does Erdogan. He desires to lead a caliphate of the revived Ottoman Empire and be the successor to the throne. By the way, I believe it was in 1923 that the Brits, France, Italy, Japan, Greece, Romania, the Kingdom of the Serbs, the Croats, and the Slovenians, which were formerly Yugoslavia, that was the Ottoman Empire. And that's what they were doing in these two treaties. They're very interestingly matched, seems to me. But they both desire an empire. Erdogan is following Hitler's playbook. That's why we all need to keep an eye on him. He will become a very powerful player, or at least if it's not him, it's his successor. And he will outdo Iran, in my opinion. Now, Iran will accumulate or accomplish the ability to send a nuclear warhead into Israel. At least that's what I see uh, coming together over there in Turkey. Let's flip on back to Revelation 13 and read verses, a couple of verses over there. Well, let's start in verse 1. Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. Could that be Islam? Yes, I think so. It had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its uh, its horns, and written on each head were the names that blasphemed God. That's what the Islamic peoples do. They blaspheme the God of Israel and the God of Christian. This beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. And the dragon, that would be Satan, gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. You see, Islam is not just a religion. It's also a military. They have their own military. Everybody there, I think, is in their military. Every Islamic person. And they follow a leader. That's what happens in the military. And they have a throne. They have a government. They live by Sharia law. But they're not together. They have about four different factions, the main two being the Shiites and the Sunnis. The Sunnis are liberal and they love to play and they they love wealth and glamour and all that jazz. While the Shiites are more strict fundamentalists and they live strictly by Sharia law. And that's pretty gruesome, really. They lop off little kids' hands for stealing a loaf of bread. And other gruesome acts of violence. They love violence. 
Verse 3, I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. Well, Islam was nearly killed off by the crusades of the Catholic religion, the Catholic Church, which, by the way, is not Christian, period. It's pagan to the core. It only uses the names of Christ and Mary, and most of that is done um, illegitimately, if you ask me. The whole world marveled at this miracle, the miracle of having that fatal wound healed. It came back to life. They tried to stamp it out completely, but it didn't work. They came back. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshipped the dragon. Allah is a dragon. Yes, he's inspired by Satan himself. He doesn't even exist. He's not even real. For giving the beast such power, that's why they worshipped this beast, and they worshipped They also worship the beast, okay? Who is as great as the beast, they exclaimed. That sounds pretty pompous and arrogant, if you ask me, because they will go down in defeat. Who is able to fight against him, they say. Verse 5, Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against the god of Israel against God himself and he has given authority to do or he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months and he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God slandering his name and his dwelling that is those that dwell in heaven And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and conquer them. So there we see it right there. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and nation and or language and nation. And all of the people who belonged to this world worshipped the beast. You see that? They are the ones whose names were not written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the world began, before the world was made. The book that belongs to the Lamb who was slaughtered, that would be Jesus. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Verse 9. Verse 10 says, Anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword, lop off a head maybe, will die by the sword. What does this mean? Well, he tells us here in the bottom of verse 10, this means God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. Now, do you really think that that means that we're going to be out of here in some rapture? No, not at all. The rapture, the reason it got such popularity is 
because it gets people out of persecution and trouble and pain and misery, suffering and even death. But that's exactly what Jesus himself promised us in Matthew 24. In verse 9, he said, Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray me and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news that the kingdom is coming to the earth, actually the way it reads here in the NLT is, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. He says in verse 15 that the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place where it doesn't belong. Those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go back down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return, even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. These are not those days quite yet, folks. So if you're pregnant, don't worry about it. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will, will survive. They're not going to stay alive through this mess. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones, the ones he died to save. That's you and me. Then if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, or there, don't believe it, for false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I've told you about this and warned you of it ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, look, the Messiah's out in the desert, don't bother to go and look. Or look, he's hiding here. Don't believe it. For as the lightning that flashes from the east and shines all the way to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures shows that there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Remember Jesus said that the night comes when no man can work? That's John 9 verse 4. Listen to what it says in the very next verse. Verse 29, Matthew 24 here says, Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. 
Then, at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Then he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world and from the farthest ends of the earth and the heavens. And I'm going to stop right there for today, but I wanted you to see these things and to realize that we do have a great Savior Jesus, who is coming to save us. And so don't worry about these things. You're going to see Turkey gain a lot more power than Iran. And even though Iran defeats Israel temporarily, Erdogan, or his successor, will go and defeat the Iranians. I think that's what the Bible has to tell us. And for now, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thanks for tuning in today. You can go to my website where I have nothing for sale, but I want to try to build people's faith. You can go there and maybe learn something. I hope you can. I put a lot of work in this and a lot of research went into it. It may not be perfect. Anyway, itellwhy.com is the address. And I'll check in with you next weekend, God willing. Thanks for tuning in.